All right. Um, today's Father's Day. Wonderful music. I enjoy the choir singing both of those really rich songs. Lots of depth, lots of good stuff to think about. You're already looking at my picture there, I see. Take your Bible, turn to Exodus chapter 20, please. We're going to go through some practical stuff, unusual things. Exodus chapter 20, look at three scriptures right off the bat, if you will. Title of the message is, You Better Listen to the Old Man. Now, that's not a disrespectful term. As a matter of fact, the Bible uses that term, not in a disrespectful way. Speaking of fathers, speaking of people who deserve honor. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12, one of the Ten Commandments, if you look at it, verse 12 says this. Exodus 20:12. Honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the earth, upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Honor thy father and thy mother. Go to Ephesians now. Ephesians chapter 2, all the way to the right into the New Testament. We'll go back to Leviticus again, but don't worry, we'll be there in a second. Ephesians right now. Chapter 6 and verse 2. Speaking to children this time. One time written to adults. Now written to children. We'll start in verse 1. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is what? This is right. You know, uh, children, we kind of figured children need all kind of explanation and everything. Why do things? Just sometimes it's because it's right. Verse 2. Honor thy father and thy mother which is the first commandment with promise, referring back to Exodus, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. Now let's go back to Leviticus and find this phrase, the old man. Leviticus, Genesis, Exodus, then comes Leviticus, chapter 19. Leviticus 19.32 Leviticus 19.32 Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, 19.32. Thou shalt rise up. And that means stand up. That means honor. Before the hoary head. That's the white-haired head. Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head and honor the face of, say it with me, the old man. Now, that's not only specific, uh, speaking of your father, but of people who are older in age. Rise up and honor the face of the old man and fear thy God. Why? Because I'm the Lord. Now, today's Father's Day. I think Father's Day is very needy. It is a day set aside in our Western world to remind people to honor their father. I, am, I, just was, I didn't get a chance to say hello to Hannes' dad and his sister, but we greet you. And I tell you what, to have your dad, your father here, what a gift, what a treat. Um, but it's kind of Unique, it's wonderful that in the Western world we set aside a day to honor our Father. And we are to honor our Father, both during childhood and as we get older. You say, well, I'm an adult now. There's not, you're not supposed to ever stop honoring your Father. Now, that doesn't mean that you're to obey everything they do when you're 50 years old. You, 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 you've grown up, you've moved out of the house. I hope you've moved out of the house, amen? Come on, stay with me. But you are to honor them till the day... You die. 
Um, God said we're to honor our fathers all our lives. By the way, it's more than fathers that we're supposed to learn to honor. By, on, by learning as a child to honor, to revere. I'm going to tell you what it means in a moment. To, to honor your parents actually enables you and teaches you to honor all authority. If a child, and I watch, and I have very little respect for the mayor of London to begin with. But when the mayor of London stood there at that tower after it was two days ago, stood there, and there's a crowd of people. There was a man. He had a maybe a 10-year-old son on his shoulders. And that little boy was so disrespectful to the mayor in public. You know what that little boy learned? He's not going to obey and honor anybody. He learned that from his parents. Folks, we need to honor our fathers. If we don't learn to honor dad, we will not honor anybody. Respect for parents is the basis for every other kind of respect, for every other kind of authority. So when smart-mouthed kids tell their parents to shut up, they were never taught the life-saving duty. And I believe it is life-saving to honor. The Bible says if you want your life to be long on this earth, you honor your parents. I know there are many in this room and many in today's society that have that have fathers that deserve no honor. I know that. But I'll warn you in advance. I'll warn you in advance. You may, you may have the temptation to say, yes, pastor, you're right, but you don't know my parents. You don't know what, what, who they are, what they did to me. And I understand some of those cases, it may be very hard or impossible to find a way to try to honor them. And yet there it is in your Bible that says to do it. And I can't mince those words. What does it mean to honor your father? I'll tell you, it's five basic things you're supposed to do if you're going to honor your father. Number one, it means to do constantly. It means to forgive him. That's where you begin. Don't expect dad to be perfect. Don't expect him to be Superman or even Batman. I just thank God for imperfect fathers because that's all we've got. Amen. Even if there were perfect fathers, there's no guarantee you're going to make a perfect son. So you look at your kids. I tell you what, uh, I asked somebody, I said, how does it feel to be a, a father? He says, pretty good. And I said, it does feel pretty good until you look at your kids. And you went, man, I'm unqualified and unworthy. Honestly, it's a lot of work. And we're, we're not up to scratch. But that's who we are. Thank God for imperfect fathers. All parents have fallen short of their children's expectations. Even their own expectations. You know what a lot of parents do, a lot of fathers do? And I've seen them. They crawled into a hole emotionally where they feel like a failure. It's true. I mean, the world doesn't even deal with fatherhood anymore. Because it's just all they do, did for 1970s, 1980s, they showed these, these perfect fathers and they exposed them as failures. People only look at... at Homer Simpson, they only, only look at the, the, the laughter at fathers, and they don't have any good role models. Well, I have one good role model. His name is God, the Father. I've got a good role model. By the way, let me tell you about how to forgive them. Folks, your dad is your father, whether you like it or not. So the Bible says honor him. Honor him. Because... If you don't learn to forgive them for the stuff that they let you down on, 
One of these days, you're going to be the same man. You can't escape the fact that all of your father's imperfections and failures are going to be you one day. You better forgive him <laughs> if you want to ever be forgiven. Forgive your... Listen, you say, well, my dad was a pretty good dad. Hey, man, maybe you don't have to forgive him. But more people I meet, you know what their problem is? With their mom or with their dad. Don't live there. First thing you need to do, whether they ever ask you to forgive them or not, forgive them. Secondly, speak well of them. Refuse to speak evil of them. We live in a time when it's considered noble to air our grievances about our family. When we consider it therapeutic to air our dirty laundry to others. We think nothing of telling the world exactly what we think of our politicians, of our employers, and unfortunately, our parents. Yet the Bible warns us that we owe honor and respect to all authorities that God has placed over us. The Bible tells us to give honor to whom honor is due. And God decides who is it due to, not us. Our words have the power to honor and lift up or to tear down. Be careful how you use your words, especially when it comes to your parents. By the way, I wish I could take the time, but the Bible in the Old Testament has a penalty for cursing your parents and disrespecting them publicly. It was death. Because the root sin of disrespecting your parents is the same as murdering or abusing them physically. So protect their honor. Don't trash their name or their reputation to anybody. Your parents may have trashed their own names. You don't have to add to it. Amen? Speak well of them. That's how. Listen, the Bible says do it. We've got to figure out how to do it. Third, pass the honor upward. Anybody ever said, man, you're a good-looking kid? He's an adult now, I know. But anybody ever says, you got a good-looking kid? You know what you ought to do? Say, I got it from my dad. Amen. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was natural born. <laughs> Which one's going to be honored by God? Man, you have a talent. How did you, how did you learn to play the violin? You, you must be a prodigy. No, my mom spent hundreds of hours making me learn to play this violin. And if I'm any good, it's because of her. Pass the honor upward. That's how you honor your parents. If there's anything good in your life that lasts, it's because of Jesus Christ. But secondly, if you have any character in you, it's because your dad taught you. If you're on time for work, if you're on time for church, if you make it a, 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 a if you make it your business to make sure you, you, you tithe and you read your Bible and you have, you have discipline, you owe it to your dad to say, thank you, dad, for teaching me those things. They may not have even known they taught it to you, but pass the honor upward. Fourthly, listen to them. You want to honor your parents? You close your mouth. This is how we spend our time with our parents. We do the talking and we make them just listen. One of the greatest things, when I got saved, I, um, my grandfather, I didn't know I only had two years left with him. But my grandfather was, was the most important man in my life next to my pastor because my pastor taught me a lot of stuff. But my grandfather, my dad was gone, you got to understand. But my grandfather was my hero. I loved everything about him. And I only had two years before he died of leukemia. And when I would sit down with him, he had so much wisdom and so much stuff he could talk about. And I would come in and I'd show him things that I was 
thinking about, and I wanted to go live on the moon. I wanted to build robots. And my grandfather would say, why would you want to do that? And then he'd pick up a picture book and he says, why don't you try to live here? And he'd show me a picture someplace up in the Andy Mountains. He'd say, and he'd go through the picture book and he says, there are places all over this planet that are a whole lot more better to live than on the moon. Amen. You know, you've got, you got lots of decisions you make all the time. The best way to honor your parents is to shut up, sit down and say, I'm making a big decision. Could you help me make that decision? You may have to resuscitate them. They may not believe their ears that you actually are looking for advice. But let me tell you, you want to honor your parents? Let them tell you their advice. You may not. It may be off the wall. You may just walk away going, Phew, I'm glad I'm saved. <laughs> that doesn't make a lick of sense. But that honors them. Amen? That honors them. I, my great-grandmother, by the way, I'm named after her. Her name was Grandmother Craig. <laughs> but... Grandmother Craig was, when I got saved, she was 91 years old. And for three years of, of my life, I would go to her where she lived in a nursing home when I was home from, from college and stuff, and I would spend hours just listening to her tell stories of what it was like growing up in 1901. That honored her. Listen to them. Seek their advice. You get married, ask your dad, are you ready? Ask your mom, do you know how to be a husband? Do you think she, now your mom's going to say, oh, you're the most wonderful son in the world. So forget her, go to your dad. Amen. <laughs> but listen to him. And then lastly, take care of them. There may need to be home care and nurses and ultimately need to go to a nursing home because there's so much effort. But let me tell you, they need to know you will not abandon them. They need to know that you are a son that will honor them till they pass on. Amen. That's how you honor them. And we need to do it. You better honor the old man. But God said it. And you better honor him the right way. You say, well, I, I, I sent him a card. Amen. Good. Phone him up. You know, in America, they had something called a collect call. You ever heard of that? On Father's Day, they always the telephone company made the most money on Father's Day because everybody called Dad collect. Amen. Do you know anything about that? That's old times. Anyway, let's get into Genesis chapter 27, and we'll get into our message this morning. Genesis chapter 27. We're going to listen to an old man. If you don't know what collect means, it means you call the operator. Here's the son. He's in college. He's away from home. He's over in London. He's working a job, and he wants to call his dad, so he calls the operator and says, Operator, I need to place a collect call, which means the other end is going to pay for it. <laughs> and so the operator connects the call. Dad picks up the phone. Will you accept a phone call from your son? <laughs> and the operator and your dad would say, Sure, this is the three times a year I get a phone call. And then the dad pays for the entire length of the phone call. That's called a collect call. But anyway, I hope you don't do that too often. When you, when you found Genesis chapter 27, now some of the things I'm going to say are going to cut, cut across things that you've gotten used to. Some of you are going to take offense and want to run. But guess what? I didn't have anybody in mind when I wrote this message. Guess where I wrote it? I wrote it back when I was in Colorado. About seven months ago. So I didn't have Leo or 
or Dan or Dennis in mind. Don't worry about it. You say, you talking about, no, I'm not talking about you. God is. Amen. Anyway, we'll go. <laughs> we will take advice from just about everybody except God. Let him give you some advice this morning. Moms, let me tell you this. You do a great job. I couldn't be a mom. But let me tell you this. Dad needs to be able to say some things that I'm going to show you this morning and to teach them in your home without you interrupting. Amen. Or correcting. Or having your opinion. Amen. Dads need to be the old man in the house that everybody shuts up and listens to. He may be right or he may be wrong, but he needs to be listened to. If you want your dad to be a better man, please listen to this message and go, Lord, whatever you'd have my husband say, whatever you want my dad to say, let him say it. Because it honors him and that honors God. When we turn to Genesis chapter 27, chapter 28, we're going to find Isaac is getting old. Look at chapter 27, verse 1. It came to pass that when Isaac was old, his eyes were dim so that he could not see. He called Esau, his eldest son, and said unto him, My son, and he said unto him, Behold, here am I. So if you know anything about chapter 27, Isaac thinks he's going to die, so he calls for Esau, his oldest, to go and and uh, get some venison and fix him a great meal and um, he's going to pass on a blessing to him. But just get the idea, Isaac is old and he's got two sons, these twins. They're not identical twins, but they are twins. The firstborn is Esau and the second is Isaac. And if ever there were two opposites, how many parents, how many parents have kids that were totally different from each other? I mean, whack, 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 whack. You go, these are not my kids. <laughs> well, that's what uh, Isaac and Rebecca had. They had two absolute opposites. And they both are living at home, and Isaac had made a terrible mistake. He had favored one over the other. And because of that decision, because of that home life, he has to make a quick decision to push Jacob out of the nest and send him off for his life's sake. And he has some advice for, and he turns out to turn to Jacob and give him some advice. By the way, let me say this. He's, he's turning out Jacob. Jacob's been living at home for all these years and he says, you got to run, Jacob. You're going to have to flee for your life. And when he does that, he, he does something that I think parents need to take very seriously. He doesn't let him just go off and find his way. Well, I would never force my kids to go to church. They need to find their way. Really? Is that how you teach them school? Is that how you do it with school? You just let them go to school if they want to or not? No, you don't. You just let them find their way about whether they should start dating at 15. You want to let them find their own way of what kind of stuff they put on their phone and on their internet. Amen. Find their way is a curse. Isaac looks at his son and he says, I can't let you just go out in the big world without some advice. Amen. So, you know what Isaac needs to do? So what Jacob needs to do? Listen to the old man. We're going to listen to him here. So let's go to Lord in prayer. Father, open our hearts, our eyes to what we're going to see this morning. I pray you'd help me just speak what you would say if you were here and that it would cut us to the heart, maybe upset us, but motivate us. Because being a father, we need dads who will take what we do seriously and will take courage that it works. We're not just swimming upstream. We're doing right. Lord, there are plenty of 
people in this room who have a dad that we haven't listened to, we haven't sought the counsel of, we haven't honored in years, and we need to confess it as sin, we need to confess it as wrong, and we need to get right. If you're going to save our families, it's going to start with us. I pray that we would listen. Because you wrote it in a book for us to hear this morning, today. Lord, may somebody hear your call to follow Jesus. Because Jesus is the sweetest name. It'll, it'll, it'll fix all of the hurt. It'll fix all the guilt. That name, by faith in that name, can wash away all sin and all failure. There are plenty of dads in here who probably feel often like me, who just feel like... How did I end up being a dad and a granddad? Lord, I pray that you'd help us to realize that blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin and makes things right. Bless our study this morning. Bless the hearing and the doing of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, chapter 28 now. Son. The first thing he tells his son, chapter 28, verse 1, Isaac called Jacob and he blessed him and he charged him, which means... I want you to be a man. I want you to do these things. I'm putting you in charge of the, this advice. And he said unto him, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Rise, go to Padam Aram, unto the house of Bethuel, thy mother's father, and take thee a wife from thence of the daughters of Laban, thy mother's brother. Now, what's he saying? He's saying, Jacob, it's good to have a family. It's good to have family. Now, sometimes you don't believe it. But you see, a lot of dads are trying to prepare their sons for a trade, and that's a good thing to prepare them for. A career, trying to prepare them for education, trying to prepare them to stand on their own. And I believe in all that. But you know, we've lost the, the, the desire as a parent to pass on a desire to have a family. You don't, listen, you don't need to wait till you're 49 years old before you go... Well, I should get married. No, no, no. Have a family. Don't worry about having a career. Listen, I, I wanted to be an astronaut. I wanted to be a fireman. I wanted to be, um, uh, I don't know, a lot of weird things. And, and uh, But you know what? Something, when I got saved, you know, all of a sudden, I saw homes. Mine was broken. I saw couples. I saw marriage. And I said, I want one of those. Amen. You ought, to, you ought to want to pass on that desire to your children. Maybe you can't just say, have a family. Maybe you can't just tell them that. But it ought to just be a part of the home life where family is important. Family is special. Family is something you want your kids to have. If you're, if you're a young woman, how do I get a husband? You kind of need one. Not a partner, but a spouse. Just have the focus of getting married. Um, hold on there. Uh, most people now, their focus when they're 20 years old is having fun. Bothers me, 25-year-old. There they are, playing on an Xbox after work. What? 25 years old, you're not, you're not trying to get married? I'm not ready. Well, thank God she is not in your life. <laughs> I pity the woman to marry a man who's not interested in being married. People are only interested in having fun, having sex, and having their own life. God designed you to have a family. 
you haven't figured that out, I can't help you. <laughs> no matter what feminism is screaming, it's good to have a family. No matter what your mates are telling you, it is right to have a family. It is still good and honorable and a blessing to get married. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 says, Marriage is honorable in all. Hallelujah. And the bed is undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers, that's where everybody's living today. God will judge. Get your wife. Son, have a home and a family. Proverbs 18.22 says, He that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. Amen. Son, sec, don't talk about family. You need to get a wife. They kind of don't just show up on trees. Just have the focus of getting married. I already said God designed a family. I already said all that. Let me rush ahead. Secondly, number two, look at verse three. Look at number chapter 28, verse three. And God Almighty bless thee and make thee, what's the next word? And multiply thee that thou mayest be a multitude of people. Now, I've never heard this blessing ever given in the Western world. But it is a biblical blessing. It is a wonderful blessing. It is, son, have lots of kids. I mean, I, 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 I don't mean to upset anybody. but and, and it is impossible to say what I'm about to say without upsetting some people, getting their dander up. But most people have been so conditioned by the feminists that they cannot hear anything from the Bible that actually says having children and lots of them is a good thing. They can't believe that. Hold your place here. Go to Psalm 127. Psalm 127. Psalm 127, verse 3. Lo. Children are a heritage of the... All right, so who gave you the ability to have children? God did. He passed that on to you. And the fruit of the womb is His... It's His reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate as a family. People refuse to hear any biblical instruction today. So most homes are condemned to angry women and stubborn men who barely have one child. And they ruin generation after generation of children with their bitter arguing and ruin because they won't take a step and go, you know, it's okay to have lots of kids. You say, why, why is it awesome to have lots of children? Because they have grandchildren. If there's no other reason, have lots of kids. Because you get lots more grandchildren. And you'll have a home. I think, I remember, I was a little kid, probably seven years old. And we went to somebody's house. We went for dinner. My dad didn't do that very often where we, where we would go somewhere, at least with the parents. And we all went, and they had a sitting room. Have you ever had one of these sitting rooms where there was plastic covering the sitting room furniture? <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? The fireplace had not been used in a hundred years. The room looked like Queen Victoria's palace. And when you walked in there, your dad grabbed your hand and said, Do not go in there. 
You know what? I, I look back and I go, what a shame, man. I want my house to be filled. Noisy, broken things. I mean, uh, if you're not taking your kids to the doctor or the hospital at least twice a year, they're not living. If your boys aren't coming home with frogs in their pocket and rocks and, and keys they find and, and uh, you're... <laughs> Folks, that's living and that's a home. That's a family. If you say, I've got one kid and he's a demon, <laughs> give him a brother. <laughs> Amen. Give him two, three. Amen. And did I mention the grandkids? <laughs> Amen. You're going to have mess. Home is going to be messy, loud, active, problems, heartaches, and hugs, and kisses, and tickles. You're going to have bills, and hospital visits, hand-me-downs, and beans and toast for lunch, and probably beans and toast for dinner. But you'll have a home. See, how many kids should we have? I don't know. Just... Listen, what stops some generations from having children is their parents. Given this is the idea of, you are a mistake. We didn't plan you. <laughs> Folks, they're, they're, your children are a gift from God. You instill in that into them. They will want to have the same gift and, and encourage them to look forward to being daddies and mommies one day. And maybe you might have that many children. That's one family. And the mom lived through them all. Amen. 21 kids. And look, he's happy. You think I'm crazy? No. I just know the Bible's right. I just know the Bible's right. By the way, I believe Oprah Winfrey's wrong. I think Dr. Phil is wrong. I think all these psychologists and everybody telling you, oh, you can only handle, you have no idea what you can handle because God's grace is greater Third, son, know the God of your father. Go back to Genesis. Genesis chapter 28, still going on. I, <clears throat> 28 and verse 3 and 4. And God Almighty bless thee and make thee fruitful and multiply thee that thou mayest be a multitude of people. And give thee the blessing of who? All right. Isaac, I, uh, Jacob, I want you to know the blessing of Abraham. I want you to know the God of Abraham. Give thee the blessing of Abraham to thee and to thy seed with thee, that thou mayest inherit the land wherein thou art a stranger, which God gave unto Abraham. Go to chapter, uh, still in the same chapter, verse 13. <clears throat> verse 13, still in chapter 28. And behold, the Lord stood above an altar that Jacob built, and he said, I am the God of who? I'm the God of Abraham, thy father. And the God of Isaac, thy father. The land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it into thy seed. You know, in, in so many words, Isaac is telling his son, my father. There are three generations, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Isaac speaking to his son. He's saying to his son, my father knew God and walked with God and loved God and followed God and got the blessings of God. And he taught me to make his God my God. Now, I want you to have the same God. I want you to have the God that Abraham had. By the way, he's the same God you need. We don't need a new generation of gods. We don't need a new generation of, of tailored deities and superheroes and Marvel comics, folks. 
We need the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob today. We need dads who take it seriously that just as God was the God of Abraham, just as God was God of Isaac, just as God was God of Jacob, He needs to be the God of me. If you want to be a good dad. Living without God, without worship, dries up fast. Children in homes without God, without the Bible, without church, grow up. And the only hope is turning to drink, living for entertainment, saturating their lives with drugs, and they end up taking things to extreme measures, just trying to fill a hole in them. doesn't work. If your dad's a drunkard, you've already seen it. Don't pass it on down to, your gener- to the next generation, folks. You have, Dad, you have your own, you have to have your own walk with God. A personal faith in the God of Abraham if you want to pass it on to your kids. If you think that bringing your kids to Sunday school here is going to make them spiritual, it's not going to work. They need to see something in you. They got to see you reading your Bible. They got to see you trusting God. They got to see you praying. They got to see you praising God and worshiping Him. Abram had worshipped and followed and obeyed God. He's our pattern. And he taught his son. Now, you look real close and you'll find out Isaac didn't teach Jacob very well <laughs> because Jacob's a mess. But at least he taught him something. He taught us something about God. But Jacob didn't need to trust in Isaac's God. Let me tell you this. Jacob needed to trust in God. A lot of people, one of the dangers of being a pastor, are you ready? Is that my kids sort of just follow along for the ride. Daddy's got enough faith for, for us all. Daddy and Mommy, they pray. They need the God that I have. Amen? And they need the God. If you have any walk with God, pass it on. Look them in the eye and say, have you read your Bible? Where's your Bible? Bring it out. I'm reading mine. Let's read it together. Amen. Amen. I hope and pray that in your home you worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Oh, I don't like the God of the Old Testament. You're a dummy. Because Jesus did. And the God of the Old Testament became a man. His name was Jesus Christ. And died under the law of the Old Testament to give you grace. If you, if you cut off the Old Testament, there's no value in love and forgiveness and grace. You don't understand it. Work hard to make sure your children worship the same God. The God of that book. That's why... A lot, of, a lot of parents have no... Well, I'll buy my kids the NIV and I'll buy my kids the, the newer versions because they're easy to read. They're different gods, different gospels. Just, just from the youngest age, read them the King James Bible. They'll get it. It's not that hard, folks. Read your Bible. Read the Bible to them and with them. Pray with them. You know, one of the best things that, that's really pretty amazing is when you hold your kids close. And there's no better time to do that than when you're praying with them. Try to do that at dinner. Oh, Dad, oh, Dad, oh, everybody's watching. But you sit down next to them, and you pull them close and says, let's pray. They might just melt in your arms. Pray with them. Pray for them. You have no idea. I, folks, I was a teenager once. I am free. <laughs> I don't want to ever go back. 
But I have no idea what teenagers are facing today. I have no idea what their friends are telling them. I have no idea what they've let into their ear, their eye gates and their ear gates. I have no idea the kind of stress and the kind of problems and the kind of sin that they're battling against. You better pray for them. Get them to know the God that you know. And make church a family priority. And say, we're going to church. Why? Pastor's a great preacher. No, he's right. The book's right. We're supposed to be there. And if you, listen, your kids will not go to church if you don't make it a priority. Whatever You say, well, I'll go when I can. They'll never go. What's a natural law? What parents do in moderation, the children will do to excess. So if you only go a little bit to extreme, they will never go. No. If you only take a little sip of wine at home, They'll drink it behind the bush and they'll get the beer cans. They'll, get, they'll go further and further into sin. It's a natural law. You better make church a priority and live in right priority. Know the God of your Father. Fourthly, beware of bitterness. Look back there in chapter 27, one chapter back, chapter 27, verse 41. Now, we don't have time to go through all of this. I hope you have been in church for a while and you've seen these truths about Esau and and Jacob and their problems and how Jacob was a liar, a deceiver, a crook. And he hurt his brother Esau. But look at chapter 27, verse 41. Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him, instead of Esau. And Esau said in his heart, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then will I slay my brother. (laughs) What are we dealing with? We're dealing with bitterness. Esau, while, while Isaac is talking to his son Jacob, Esau is within earshot. He's lurking in the shadows and he hears all of this. He's just waiting for the old man to die so he could kill his brother. Nice family, huh? Jacob needed to take great care because he could turn out just as wicked as Esau. Bitterness can kill and affect anybody. You say, well, Esau was evil. No, Esau was hurt. It wasn't in his genes that he had to turn out more evil than Jacob. If you know the the list of sins of Jacob are a mile long, the list of sins of Esau are about half a page long. But bitterness is what ruined him. That's what ruined him. So what is bitterness? Bitterness is anger and disappointment at being treated unfairly. And every one of us face that. It is resentment. So when you're angry for so long, you can't feel that anger anymore, you're bitter. When you can't see the person who hurts you anymore, you only see their wrongdoing, you're bitter. When you respect everyone else and can all be also nice to everyone else except the person who hurts you, then you're bitter. Bitterness blinds you to all the good that God has given you and you can only think about the hurt. And you may be justified in hurting. No question there. But you're never justified in being bitter. You are as wrong being bitter as they were, whoever they are, who hurt you. That's what God says. Jacob, you better run. Don't be like your brother. The worst fear of this pastor is knowing the bitterness that grips so many lives of people in this room. And knowing it's going to be passed on to your kids if you don't get a control of it. 
Do you really want to pass that on? That's not the kind of gift they want. Number four. No. Oh, I was going to show. Yeah, here we are. Number five. You know that we're different. This is a father talking to a son, and he says, Son, Jacob, I want you to know we're different. Look at chapter 28. Look at verse 1. Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said, again, we read these verses, but watch what he says. And him, thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. He didn't say, hey, you see that girl? Good looking girl. Go get her. No, he said, you're not supposed to take one of these women. Arise, go to Padamaram, to the house of Bethuel, thy mother's father, and take thee a wife from thence of the daughters of Laban, thy mother's brother. There was a general basic truth, and that was, Jacob, we may be living here. We may be living in a flat. We may be surrounded by kids who do drugs. We may be struggling in the school system with people who teach evolution. We may be struggling, surrounded by people who have broken homes and no dad or no mom and and, and people who are, are fighting and people who have no joy and no God. But we're different. We don't just go out there and find a wife among them. We've got to go somewhere where God says, that's where to find a wife. That's where I've got to go forward. Because we're different. We go a different way. Your, your mates and your pals will say, there's a good looker. Hey, she's looking at you. Run! <laughs> Proverbs says, there is poison in her lips. Bible says, the strange woman, and all women are strange before you get married, and then you only have one strange woman. No, that's not true. Hold up. The Bible talks about a strange woman. That means a woman who's not your wife will lead you to hell. Amen. Abraham, Isaac, and now Jacob, we're different from the Canaanites. We may live here, but this is not our culture. We follow God. They may be going to the, to the ballpark. They may be going to the disco. They may be going to uh, uh, downtown to shopping, but we're going to church. They may be reading anything they want. They may be watching whatever they want, but we watch what we're supposed to watch. We control what we listen to. Amen. Say, so my, my Johnny throws a fit when I take his phone from him. He doesn't deserve a phone. Amen. If, if that phone is his, you made a mistake. Amen. We live differently as Christians. We worship differently. We love differently. We marry differently. We raise our children differently than the world around us. Amen, 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 and amen. Second Corinthians chapter 6. Go ahead and go there. Second Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 14. <clears throat> Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. What's the requirement for a man to fall in love with and marry a woman? Is she saved? Is she a believer? Amen. Now that's a big step. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? They don't get along. What concord hath Christ with Belial, the devil? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the worship place, the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye... What's the next word? 
say, separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Every dad needs to look at his son and not just say, son, you know, we're Texan. That's not what we say. You know, we're Irish. No, we're Christian. We're different than the world around us. We're not arrogant. We're not superior. We're just following a different path. The one that leads following Jesus. I hope you know this, dads. And I hope you teach your sons this. That we're different as Christians. Because your children are supposed to be different. And it's okay to be different. Look at all the diversity that they push. They push, they've got boys dressing up as girls. They've got girls unaware. They're unable to determine whether they're female or male. They have all of this diversity. And a Christian comes along and says, I'm a Christian, and they shove them out. That's a funny thing. Teach your kids to be glad they're different. Because Christ makes us different. Almost done. Go back to Genesis 28. Look at verse 3 and 4. Just these words just jumped out. I really enjoyed these thoughts. God Almighty, Genesis chapter 28, verse 3. God Almighty, what's the next two words? Bless thee. Son, seek God's blessings, not man. This is the hardest thing to convince our children. What's that, Pastor? That life is not made up of the possessions of this world? That having the house and having the fancy car and having the, the, the girlfriends and the popularity and the likes on Facebook, that that is not life. But life is found in the invisible blessings that are eternal. Like what? Like eternal life. You know, you may not have two pennies to rub together, but if you're saved from the wrath to come, you're a blessed person. If God dwells in you, you're happy. The Son of God liveth in me and loves me, Paul said. He, he had nothing to show for his life. He lived from prison to prison. He was on shipwreck after shipwreck. He was in a disaster mode all of his life and he said, I'm happy. <laughs> because his life didn't count with what he held in his pocket. Just knowing that Jesus will never forsake you. But will always take good care of you. That you have an eternal home in the heavens, made without hands. <laughs> the invisible things are eternal. Teach your children. Teach your children to lay up treasures in heaven most of all. Hand out a gospel track and hand it out to somebody who's the meanest, most honorist, the most ugly, most, most uh, rudest person and tell them, I sure hope you don't go to hell. <laughs> I sure want to see you in heaven. That's earning treasures in heaven. Amen. I can't pay him for it. You can't pay him, but God will. Teach your children to do right, if only to please God. Well, nobody else does it. God wants you to do it. Teach your children to do right. As an old preacher, the old, old, old preacher, his name was Bob Jones Sr., he says, do right till the stars fall. Do right. Seek God's blessings. As we said, you know, Proverbs 10.22 says, the blessing of the Lord... He, uh, oh, I can't remember. Just for time, he added is, is good. Let me just paraphrase. It's good, and he addeth no sorrow to it. When God blesses you, there is no sorrow that goes along with it. Honor God. Teach your children just to honor God, man. Somebody says it's a great day. Yeah, praise God, it sure is. What'd you say? I said praise God. It's a gift from God. I'm still alive. 
if you are dads, if you're never happy or satisfied with your life, then your children will be cursed with more unhappiness than you. <laughs> you want to raise a angry son? Just be angry about every day of your life and never sit back and never stop and just say, God's better to me than I deserve. I want God's blessings. Even my boss fires me, even if the dog walks away from me, even if, my, if every time I put money in my wallet it disappears, I'm serving God. And if God's happy, I'm happy. Number seven, build altars. Now, very briefly, altars mark times of dedication and commitment to God. These were times where they made a memory of a vow or a commitment to God, and Noah did it, Moses did it, Abraham made altars, Isaac made altars, and um, in, in, we don't have time, but in this very chapter, in chapter 28, Jacob makes his first altar. He says, God, I'll make a vow. I'll live for you if you'll take care of me. And God does. He calls it Bethel, the house of God. Have times where you made a vow to God, a commitment to God. I'm going to obey that book. I'm going to do right. I'm, I, it may cost you everything because at an altar, you know what usually happened? Something had to die. You see, if you want to marry a godly girl, if you want to marry somebody who's going to help you serve God, you're going to have to sacrifice all the other girls who think you're sweet and cool and nice. Amen. If you're going to do right, if you're going to do God's will, you may have to sacrifice that career. Amen. You may have to sacrifice a lot of things, but that's an altar. Build you an altar. Don't just go to church. You need to have times where you make a decision, I'm going a different way now, I'm going the right way. And I remember the day that I made that decision. That's your altar. And so make sure you remember your altars. You know what youth camp is? It's a time where you help the kids to make an altar. Where they decide, Pastor, several years ago, some of the kids came up to me and said, Pastor, I want you to have my phone. There are things on there I never want to look at again. There are things on there that I never want to watch or listen to again. They had an altar. They need a time. They're willing to sacrifice some stuff. If your kids aren't going to camp, I don't know if I can help you, but if you send your kids to camp, we'll help them make an altar where they make a decision for God. Amen. Some of you need to come to camp. Amen. <laughs> Son, let God teach you what I couldn't. I just, I, I'm just going to race through these things. There's a lot a dad can't teach his son. Amen? And this is a father's deepest sorrow. That, that there's so much more to teach our children. Isaac and most dads try and teach some things to their sons and daughters. But Isaac wasn't very good. And there's one thing we need our dads to teach us is that they can't teach us everything. They need to teach the children to depend upon God. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing to teach? To depend upon God themselves. John 6.45 and 1.74.9 says that we need to learn of God. Spend time in your Bible. Where I'm talking about your kids need to spend time in their Bible learning for themselves, feeding themselves. Jacob didn't need to go, well, my daddy said this, and my daddy, that may work when you're 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 years old. But when you're as old as Jacob was, he was in his 70s at this point, he needed to say, God said, this is right. Fathers need to teach their sons. There are things I can't teach you. God's going to have to teach you. And then lastly, teach your children to teach their children the very same things. 
I had some thoughts. None of this is out of date. It's fatherly advice that can save a future home and a nation. But it's up to you, dads. It's up to us as dads. If we're going to take any of this seriously, listen to Ecclesiastes 4.13. Better is a poor and a wise child than an old and foolish king, that's dad, who will be no more admonished. Better is a child who is teachable than a stubborn old king because he won't learn. We need to take what we do seriously because Christianity dies when each generation fails to pass on what we heard our old man teach us. And maybe you didn't have a Christian old man. Maybe your dad wasn't uh, a believer. Maybe your dad was, was an awful failure. I would hate to say that. Are you going to blame him all your life for how your kids are going to turn out? Are you going to say, I'll be the man my dad wasn't? And I'll look into my Heavenly Father and I will read and pour through my Bible and I'll learn from the fathers of this Bible and I'll learn how to be the better dad because I want my kids to be the better dad and I want them to teach their children. My dad never one day cared whether I read my Bible. Never one day cared whether I knew for sure if I died I'd go to heaven. Not one day did I ever hear, did I ever have him put his arm around me and say, let's pray. I don't hate him for it. I don't resent him for it. But I don't want to be like that. Are you with me? Don't want to be like that. If there's anything we can teach our children, it's to teach them to carry on these things. I'm using an Old Testament illustration to get us to pass on something to the next generation. There's so much more. But here's the invitation. Dads, I couldn't have told you everything that that you need to learn yourself so that you could pass it on to your kids. So you've got a Bible full of instructions, full of lies, full of examples that will do the work you can never do. But fathers, if you've taught these things to your children, I salute you. Happy Father's Day, because at least you're trying. Amen. And ladies, if you're married to a man who's trying to do a tenth of that, you need to hold on to him. But don't let up. Don't back down. Don't ignore the responsibility we have towards our children and our grandchildren, as imperfect as we may be. Take your God-given calling and responsibility seriously. If you've been slow, hold on here, If you've been slow or lax or hindered from teaching these things, let me remind you to bless your children. You know what that means? Pray for them. Pray God's blessing upon them. Do everything you can so that God blesses them. Correct and constrain your children. Make them do right. Oh, I wouldn't make Johnny do right. You're going to create a devil. Make them do right. That's why God put you as the parent and not the school. Guide and teach them the right way to speak, to act, to, to, to live. Teach your children character and integrity, dads. Leave an inheritance to them. You work your tail off, amen. Do it for them. Don't do it for the government. <laughs> Be an example, even a failed one. And above all, love your children. Don't make the mistake that Isaac did where he loved one and ignored the other. If you're not saved, 
none of this is going to help you. I mean, I read you God's book. I'm telling you what God says do. You try to do all these things, you will burn out, you'll get mad at God, your kids will look at you like, like you're two-headed. Let me tell you this, you need to be saved yourself. If you're dead, you're not born again, you need Jesus Christ today. Because he'll help you. He'll help you raise your family right. Wives, hold on. Let your husband lead in your home. Let him do it. Let him say things you disagree with. Just because he's dad. Honor him as the head of your home, as imperfect as he may be, and let your husband fail. Amen. If you want to have a home where dad leads, let him lead. If he falls and you cut him down, he's not going to lead anymore. Stand by him. Be the help God meant you to be, not the critic. If you still have a father alive, gentlemen, ladies, sit down next to him and hug him and hold him and let him teach you these things. Ask him three things and then mention one thing. You ready? Ask him to pray with you. Imagine the power of a son or a daughter coming alongside, saying, Dad, would you pray with me? I don't care if your dad's an atheist. He'll bow his head. He'll go, I don't know what to say. <laughs> but he'll feel honored. Amen. Ask him to pray with you. Ask him to give you some help, not money help. We all do that. <laughs> ask him to give you some guidance. Maybe ask him to come worship God with you in church on a Sunday. Ask him, Dad, come along. Dad, the God, the God I know loves you and died for you. I got saved 37 years ago. Dad, I don't, I don't know what you want to do or whatever. Would you come and worship God with me? I'm telling you, you honor your dad, he might just show up. And then... Make sure you tell him you love him. And if need be, and I speak from experience, that you forgive him. Because I carried bitterness in my life for the first few years of my Christian walk against my bitterness for years. But after I got saved, I carried that bitterness thinking it was right, thinking my attitude was right, thinking my disrespect and my treatment of my dad was right for mistreating my mom. I lived totally ignorant of how stupid my bitterness was until the preaching got to me and I wrote him a letter and I said, Dad, I'm sorry for being so bitter and angry at you. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and I forgive you. We have a great relationship. He's not saved, but I love my dad now. Maybe you need to tell him I forgive you because he already knows if you're holding something against him. Don't do it anymore. Father, strong message. Lots of thoughts. When it comes to Father's Day, there's probably more hurt brought up, more disappointments than any other day other than maybe the death of somebody. And here we are trying to figure out how to honor such a flawed person Thank you for cutting us to the heart. Lord, I pray that we would listen to the old man. We would honor our fathers. If we don't, if our fathers are gone, wouldn't we wish that they were back? Wouldn't we wish for a second chance? Well, we, the only second chance we have is with our kids. Not to carry on the same old, same old that We've lived with all our lives. And it's only by the power 
of the gospel of Jesus Christ, only by the power of faith in Him that can break that cycle. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for forgiving us. I pray that we would honor our dads without any holding back. Just because it's right. In Jesus' name, amen.